God is good. And all the time. Uh, well, we are beginning a series today on prayer. Uh, Eight-week series. We'll go into the second Sabbath of November. And um, we are using Timothy Keller's book, Prayer, Experiencing on Intimacy with God. So I encourage you to pick up a copy. If you don't already, it's available on Kindle and in uh, paper format and um, all kinds of formats, I'm sure. But it's available. It's out there. I encourage you to pick it up. We have a, a wonderful prayer ministry in this church. Uh, some of you are aware, or many of you are aware, and some of you may not be aware. But um, we have, of course, the, the prayer quilt ministry. I brought my prayer quilt today. Um, I'm blessed to be able to have one of these prayer quilts that, that I was presented with uh, when I first got here. And I was blessed to have Alice and Kathy present it to me. I think it was, on, it was the first month that I was here. And uh, I'm blessed um, to have this. And I'm blessed to know that, that Alice had a part in this. And uh, as I sometimes have my quiet time with God or just marinate in the sermon or, or just be still and know, I like to wrap myself in this knowing that many of you have prayed for me and that you are praying for me uh, as I just be alone with God. So I'm so blessed to have this and we are blessed to have this quilting ministry here in Calamesa. And I hope that you all take some time uh, as you leave today, if you haven't already, to tie some knots and say some prayers for, for the Soder Blooms and their extended family uh, and for Bob's quilt today as well so that he always knows that we love him and uh, our prayers are always for them. We also have um, prayer requests on the website. If you ever, during your week, want to get the prayer team to be praying for you, just go on our website. Prayer request form comes up. You can send that re request off, and it gets emailed out to the pastoral staff and to the prayer team, and we'll be praying. You can call the church, call the church office. It goes to the pastor's different lines you can select, and we'd love to pray for you, pray with you. Um, we're actively praying church. We have prayer groups to meet on Friday evenings. We have, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Um, there's a schedule that goes out for myself and the pastors, and there are people who are scheduled for every day of the month. So every day of the year, there's people praying for myself and the pastoral staff. And I'm blessed. Sometimes I'll have somebody say, hey, I, I'm praying for you on Thursday, or I have you next week, or whatever it is. And it's just nice to know that uh, we're being prayed for. There's uh, people praying while the worship service is going on. During first service, there were people in my office praying. In second service, there's people praying behind the platform, I think usually in the music room, interceding for us as we're gathered here worshiping, praying that the Holy Spirit would reign in our hearts and our minds and uh, praying for our community. Uh, we have also, you, you probably notice in your bulletin, if, you, if you've never noticed, down at the bottom of your bulletin, it tells you that there are members of our prayer team available at the front of the sanctuary to pray with anyone who would like prayer following the worship service. So if you ever come here and you want, want prayer, and you want someone to pray with you, there's always somebody who's going to be here to pray with you. You just come down to the front and they'll pray for you. Or if you see me or any other pastoral staffs or somebody else that you know, or if you don't know anybody, just grab somebody. <laughs> Say, I'd like prayer. We, we never want you to come to Calamesa wanting to be prayed for and leave not being prayed for. So just know that, please. Um, we want to pray with you and pray, pray for you. Also, you may have noticed when you looked at the Sabbath school lists, there is a men's prayer group. It says they meet in the baptistry, which technically they don't meet in the baptistry. Um, but we could warm it up for you if you want to do something. But there is a, some space up there where they get together and pray. And they've been doing this for a couple of decades. And you know, when I first met with them, when I first got here, I heard about it, went up and spent some time with them. 
I found out the reason they started was to pray for our youth. And that has always been the heart of why they gather to pray, was to pray for our youth in Calamesa. And I think there's no question that is why we always in Calamesa have had great youth ministries. Is there's people who are interceding and are praying for our youth. So lots of prayer going on um, here in Calamesa, and we'd love for you to experience it as much as you'd like to. Um, I want to share a few pictures with you. Just as I thought about prayer, there were some visuals that I kind of went around and looked around on the internet. I thought, ah, yeah, let's, let's do that one. This, some of you may feel like, you ever feel like your prayer life is kind of like Wi-Fi? You know, it's like, sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't. <laughs> you know, I was up at Pine Springs Ranch for three or four days this week for meetings, and that's a rough place for Wi-Fi, as some of you know, right? And uh, I think I got, you go to different parts of the lodge trying to, you know, find the best Wi-Fi and... It's just none of it's good. So anyways, <laughs> or maybe like this, you just wish heaven, the skies would just drop a line, you know, just if I could have a phone come right down from heaven. I could just, I could just talk to God directly because sometimes I'm not sure he's listening or hears me or we have a good connection. Or maybe like these trees, you know, you kind of feel like you're in the woods and God is just so far up there, so high. And are my prayers getting past the tree line? Are they, are they getting to God? Or maybe prayer for you is, is a wonderful kind of moment of solitude. And you find great peace in those times of just being alone with God and having that moment of prayer. Or maybe your prayer time is that you feel like you got a cape after you're done. You know, you're like, man, I feel pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm all prayed up, ready. You feel like some superpower channeling through me. Or maybe you have good memories of prayer or of Thanksgiving times or holidays of just being together and coming together before God and giving thanks. Or maybe you've had some special times also of praying for a friend or a family member coming around and laying your hands on them and interceding for them. We've had some wonderful moments here at Calamesa of doing that. And this last one doesn't really fit in, but I, I wanted to make it fit in. That's such a powerful visual, isn't it? And uh, my wife says I can tie anything into something. So as I looked at this picture, I thought, really, the truth is, how often does this keep us away from prayer? How often am I addicted to that nice, shiny thing that glows in the palm of my hand? And how often do I think I really need to be in control of everything, that I, I really can't put it in airplane or airline mode for five or ten minutes? and get some time alone with God because there might be something that's going to come through that i got to do. So, anyways, however that speaks to you today, there that is. Let's look at a few passages on prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I think many of us might be aware of this one and appreciate this one. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 reads, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love these words that Luke records. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them 
that they should always pray and not give up. I love the words that are kind of in the spaces in Scripture. It's important for us to know that Jesus wants us always to pray and not give up. Maybe for some of us here this morning, that's the message for you today. You're not going to hear or don't need to hear anything else that I have to say for the next several minutes except that Jesus is encouraging you this morning to keep praying and to never give up. Keep praying and never give up. In Luke chapter 5, it reads, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let's not forget that. The one we worship, the one that we adore, the one who is our master, had a busier life than every single one of us. And yet he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. The Spirit invites us to withdraw from time to time to some lonely places and to pray. It's essential to our relationship with God and our health and our well-being. Jesus in his baptism, Luke chapter 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. We often remember this happened at his baptism, but we forget it happened while he was praying. I think sometimes we, we wish we would experience things in this life and yet, they only happen when we pray. When we pray, amazing things can happen. I love what Ian Bounds said. Prayers outlive the lives of those who utter them. Outlive a generation. Outlive an age. Outlive a world. And of course, you may be familiar with these words. And, and Lou, for the rest of my life, I will always think of you when I read these words from Steps to Christ. Prayer is the opening of the heart to God as to a friend. Not that it is necessary in order to make known to God what we are, but in order to enable us to receive him. Prayer does not bring God down to us, but brings us up to him. Hmm. Written by a woman of prayer. Well, I'm going to try to move this along. I have yet to get into the book. Keller brings up some great points. The reason why I chose this book was because there's such good content in this book and some great, I think, inspiration as well. But I think he covers the topic of prayer very well for a book that's written especially just a couple of years ago. So I feel it's very contemporary, very current. But he says there are two views often on the subject of prayer. He says there's the camp that believes prayer is all about, it's communion-centered. It's about that relationship with God, which I think we would all agree with. But they're communion-centered. And then there's what he calls the kingdom-centered people. And then those are the people, the ones that are calling down heaven and, and calling down God to do his power and his work and so forth. And he says there tends to be two camps. But he says, really, it shouldn't be either or. It should be both. Having a relationship with God, being in communion with God, but also being very concerned and interceding for his kingdom work here on earth. He suggests that the Psalms are a great uh, illustration of this. When you read the Psalms, the great prayer book of the Bible, you see both. You see this communion with God, and you also see this intervention, if you will, or this um, interceding for God's people and for God to intervene in his work in the lives of people. I love what Keller says when... 
He says, we must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. Prayer then is both awe and intimacy, struggle and reality. These will not happen every time we pray, but each should be a major component of our prayer over the course of our lives. He shares a powerful illustration concerning he and his wife. He talked about how they had both come across some health issues, some serious health issues. And he said, it wasn't later until later in my life and in my ministry, I really, really got drawn into more of the growing in my prayer life. But he said it was his wife that really challenged him. He said, my wife urged me to do something with her we had never been able to muster the self-discipline to do regularly. She asked me to pray with her every night. Every night. She used an illustration that crystallized her feelings very well. He says, as I remember it, she said something like this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medicine. A pill every night before going to sleep. Imagine that you were told that you could never miss it or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we are facing, she said. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it just slip our minds. We have to pray. Keller brings out some wonderful insights from the author Flannery O'Connor and her prayer journal and how much she struggled with her own relationship with God and, and finding reality for herself powerful words. She wrote in her journal, I want very much to succeed in the world with what I want to do. I'm so discouraged about my work, she wrote. Mediocrity is a hard word to apply to myself or to oneself. Yet it is impossible not to throw it at myself. I have nothing to be proud of yet myself. I am stupid, she said, quite as stupid as the people I ridicule. But then she wrote on in her journal, and I want to share this one with you on the screen. And she says, Dear God, I cannot love thee the way I want to. You are the slim crescent of a moon that I see, and myself is the earth's shadow that keeps me from seeing all the moon. What I am afraid of, dear God, is that my self-shadow will grow so large that it blocks the whole moon, and that I will judge myself by the shadow that is nothing. I do not know you, God, because I am in the way. Powerful words. Augustine, in his own prayer journal, referred to as the Confessions, basically said that we need to de- we need uh, living well depends on the reordering of our loves, the reordering of our loves, and that's what prayer helps us do as we commune with God, as we connect with God, and His supernatural grace, He begins to reorder our loves. Isn't it true that? At least I find in my own connection with God in my own prayer life that sometimes when my prayer life wears thin, my loves get out of order. And I find that there are things that I start giving more attention to that, that aren't in my best interest or in the best interest of others. I start getting concerned with things that really don't matter. I find my patience grows thin because my loves are getting reordered in a way that aren't healthy. 
And it's as I focus on that timing and be intentional about that time with prayer and my time in the Word that my loves get reordered in the proper order. And prayer is that wonderful gift that God has given to us so he can do that in our life. Keller goes on and he says this, prayer is not simply the solitary exploration of your own subjectivity. You are with another and he is unique. God is the only person from whom you can hide nothing. Before him, you will unavoidably come to see yourself in a new, unique light. Prayer, therefore, leads to a self-knowledge that is impossible to achieve any other way. I want to I stop for a second and share with you something that Keller touches on, but I want to I talk about it here this morning. I want us to understand that prayer is a spiritual discipline. Prayer is a spiritual exercise. Now, there are some out there who write about spiritual disciplines and spiritual exercises and say that they are wrong, say they are bad, say that they are not Christian. But prayer, biblical meditation, as the Bible talks about, service, worship, solitude, silence, all these things the Bible talks about are spiritual disciplines and spiritual exercises. There are ways for us to be intentional about growing in our relationship with God. There are ways for us to be intentional about letting God reorder our loves as well. Now, anything worthwhile in this life requires a little bit of effort, requires some exercise, requires some discipline. Any musician, any athlete, anybody who works or does anything requires some discipline and some effort. Without it, it doesn't happen. And church, we will never drift into a great relationship with God. It just doesn't happen. That's why Jesus said, come follow me. He didn't say, go drift and hopefully you bump into me. Although you will bump into me because he's a God who seeks us out. But he says, come follow me. And he asks his disciples to do things. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Pray. Meditate on scripture. And I want to clarify something because... There are those who are out there writing, say, talking about spiritual formation. And I'm a big believer in being formed spiritually. Otherwise, I wouldn't be pastoring. <laughs> and I'm concerned that if we are not intentional about how we are being formed by the Holy Spirit, then we're missing out on the fullness of the gospel, of being transformed by the presence of God. Now, under this umbrella of spiritual formation, I want you to know that I would not agree with everything under that umbrella. I believe in what I refer to as Christian spiritual formation. And that is focused on Christ, focused on Scripture, and focused on the things that Scripture teaches, such as prayer and so forth. But just like Adventism, Adventism is a big umbrella. And there are those who we might say are far on the left and far on the right. And I'm probably somewhere in the middle. <laughs> but we're still the Adventist church. And it's important to understand that in this umbrella of spiritual formation, there are some places I would not feel comfortable with. But when it comes to the disciplines that Scripture teaches, I'm behind them 110%. And I want to encourage everybody to get behind them 110%. There's a group that I oversee for the conference office called The Journey. 
been going up to Pine Springs Ranch for over 20 years now to grow in my walk with God and to encourage other pastors to grow in their walk with God as well. And I'm amazed at the rumors and the things that are said about pastors who go up to Pine Springs Ranch to spend time with God and with each other so that we can grow in our relationship with God so that hopefully by His grace that comes out of our lives as we minister. I was talking to one gentleman who published a book um, who mentioned me and others and said all kinds of things about us that were not true. I asked this gentleman, uh, would you talk to me before you publish your book and even invited them up to a retreat but went on and published all kinds of things that were full of untruths and never talked to me once or came up on a retreat. And this is what I told him. I said, you know what we do on those retreats? We do everything my mother taught me to do since the age of five of how to have a relationship with God. We study our Bibles. We spend time in prayer. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. And we hold each other accountable. Sounds like what I was taught when I was young. <laughs> but church, there are people, I feel, who are steering people away from connecting with God by saying things that they don't know things about and that are not true. And so church, prayer is a spiritual exercise. It's a spiritual discipline. And Jesus invites us to be disciplined. Remember at the very heart of the word discipline is the word disciple. And so being a disciple is full of wonderful disciplines that will set us free. Romans 8 says this, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Listen to this in 1 John 3, 1. I remember this is Elma Tucker's favorite verse. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. These experiences that God gives us, they're, they're almost unexplainable. I mean, can we really just stop and realize that you and I are sons and daughters of God? adopted by his grace and by all of his effort to adopt us. We can say, thank you, Jesus. We can say, hallelujah. We can say, praise God. But does it fully express what he's doing in our hearts? First Peter 1, 8 through 9 says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation or the deliverance of your souls. He says, because of Christ, we're filled with this inexpressible and glorious joy. Your translation may, may say unspeakable joy. The, the Greek literally says it's unutterable. You can't even utter it. It's so great. The reason I'm sharing this with you is because I think Tim Keller does a really good job in his book on talking about, you know, if we have a relationship with God, if our prayer life is such that we are experiencing God, there are some things that are going to be a mystery to us. There are some things that might feel mystical. Now, I'm not saying an outer body experience. I'm not talking about some weird whatever. But I'm saying that there ought to be times when, as the Bible says, we can't even express what we're experiencing because it's God that we're experiencing. 
How many times in the book of Revelation did John say, not I saw, but I saw what looked like? <laughs> Couldn't even explain it. When we experience God, if we can explain everything about God in our experience with him, then he, he's not God. <laughs> he's beyond our thoughts. He's beyond our understanding. And it's only by his grace he lets us experience him and that he's chosen to reveal himself through scripture and through Jesus. The Scottish theologian John Murray, I thought, said it well, which Timothy Keller quotes. It is necessary for us to recognize that there is an intelligent mysticism in the life of faith, of living union and communion with the exalted and ever-present Redeemer. He communes with his people and his people commune with him in conscious reciprocal love. The life of true faith cannot be that of old metallic ascent. It must have the passion and warmth of love and communion because communion with God is the crown and apex of true religion. He goes on and he says, that means an encounter with God that involves not only the affections of the heart, but also the convictions of the mind. We are not called to choose between a Christian life based on truth and doctrine or a life filled with spiritual power and experience. They go together. I was not being called, he said, to leave behind my theology and launch out to look for something more for experience. Rather, I was meant to ask the Holy Spirit to help me experience my theology. Experience my theology. The Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Did you notice the, what he keeps asking for? What is it that he keeps asking for? He keeps asking that they may know him better. This is what Timothy Keller calls the supremacy of prayer. That we would know God better. God didn't just give us prayer so that we can throw out requests. God gave us prayer so that we could know him better. That we could experience him. I keep asking that you would know him better. He wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, to be open to this knowledge of knowing God. The heart, the control center of the entire self. To know God. And as we know God, then we become more transformed from the inside out. Keller says he does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but that as a way to get more of God himself. If Christians do not base their lives on God's steadfast love, then they will have to accept as success what others want to be so. I was reading E. Stanley Jones a couple of weeks ago, and I love this little phrase that he said. He said, if we are not God-led we will be mob-led. If we are not God-led, we will be mob-led. And that's why prayer is also so crucial. Because as, 
as God touches our inner life, our hearts, it impacts our outer lives. Jesus talked everything about who we are on the inside, didn't he? He talks about the fruit that we bear and that it's what's inside that is clean or unclean, not what's on the outside. And so we need this intentionality of shaping and forming our inner life by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God through prayer. And not to be shaped so much by what's on the outside and the culture around us, but to allow Christ to shape us and form us from the inside so that we have a big part in shaping and forming the culture around us. But it's not easy. Prayer can be very difficult. And here's why Keller says prayer is difficult. And I, I think this is profound. He says the first thing we learn in attempting to pray is our spiritual emptiness. And this lesson is crucial. We are so used to being empty that we do not recognize the emptiness as such until we start to try to pray. In the beginning, the feeling of poverty and absence usually dominates. But the best guides for this phase urge us not to turn back, but rather to endure and pray in a disciplined way until, as some authors say, we get through the duty to delight. Now, prayer, I want to first of all just say, I don't think anyone can say a bad or a wrong prayer. Sometimes people say, I can't pray because... I can't talk to God like that. I'm too angry. I hope you know that God can handle your anger. God can handle your bitterness or your frustration, your rage. God can handle it. God, God can handle everything you could possibly say. That's why I love the Psalms. David basically said everything. He was mad at God. He even said, I mean, when was the last time you said to God, I wish you would kill this person? Hopefully never. But David said it. God, I wish you would kill them. I wish you would wipe them all out. And God decided that should be in the scriptures. <laughs> so know that we can never say a wrong prayer. The main thing is that we're, we're communicating with God. But also know that anything that's worth anything takes some work. Not to earn God's favor, but to grow. And so sometimes... Sometimes we might come to prayer and say, this is too hard, and so we quit, and we don't try. But sometimes we need to go through the awkwardness. We need to learn some of the things so that we can get beyond that. When I first started playing guitar several years ago, I picked up the guitar, and I started to try to play something. Well, obviously, I couldn't play. And so I had a friend start to teach me some chords, and I started to move. I'm like, How? that's impossible. <laughs> How do you move those fingers at the same time? How do you go from a D to a G to a C to an E minor? How do you, how, that, that's just impossible. But obviously it wasn't impossible because there's a lot of people who do it. So I began to work on those things. And then before you know it, you start to get blisters. Well, no one told me about the blisters, right? And so you start getting the blisters. And then the next big question is, how do I keep practicing if I have blisters? You work through the pain. Pretty soon you start learning. You start getting rhythm. It starts happening. And then you say, hey, then you see somebody else play something you never saw before. Oh, I got to learn scales and I got to learn arpeggios and I need to learn the intervals and I need to all these types of things. And, and then the trick is how do you play it like it sounds like music instead of a scale? I remember one teacher I was studying with years ago and I wanted to learn more how to improvise over some chord changes and because 
of course, he was masterful at it, and it sounded amazing. And so he told me what scales to play over what chords and what arpeggios fit and all that. So, of course, I'm playing it, and it sounds like exercises, right? And he plays it, and it sounds like music. And he, I remember one time he goes, let's do it again. So he started playing, and I started playing over it, and, and I started getting risky and playing, trying to make it sound like music, you know, venture outside a little bit with the scales. And we got done, and he, you could tell he was really wanting to be affirming, but had a hard time figuring how to put the words together, you know. And so he was, he looked at me and he goes, that wasn't bad, that was pretty good. If we were at 31 flavors, that would have been vanilla. <laughs> and I went, well, at least I'm on the board, right? At least I'm a flavor. But you know, have you ever, have you ever been in prayer with someone and you sense they spent a lot of time in learning and doing that to now? It's just... They went through the duty phases to get to the delight. And sometimes in this age, we just think we can get right then. Prayer, I hope I'm communicating this well, but prayer, never stop praying. Jesus told us to never stop praying, never give up, always pray. Be real with God. But don't get discouraged. And know that if we want a great prayer life with the almighty God of the universe, it also is going to take some effort to get where we want to go and to experience that. Just like any relationship. Just like any relationship. I'm not going to have a 30-year-old relationship with my wife in the first year. It's just not going to happen. But it comes from that communication, that continuing to lean into it and to make efforts in that. I love what he said about Jesus' prayer life. Jesus Christ taught his disciples to pray. He healed people with prayers. He denounced the corruption of the temple worship, which he said should be a house of prayer, and insisted that some demons could be cast out only through prayer. He prayed often and regularly with fervent cries and tears, and sometimes all night. The Holy Spirit came upon him and anointed him as he was praying, and he was transfigured with the divine glory as he prayed. When he faced his greatest crisis, he did so with prayer. We hear him praying for his disciples in the church on the night before he died and then petitioning God in agony in the garden of Gethsemane. Finally, Jesus died praying. Jesus' whole life was in prayer to the Father. You get a sense when you look at the life and the ministry of Jesus that there's no question that the kingdom of God was inside of him. That's why he said the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is near to you. Heaven was in Jesus himself. He was the temple of God himself. And everything about his good news and his gospel was that the kingdom of God is here and you can enter in. But what did he say? Where did he say the kingdom of God was? The kingdom of God is within you. In other words, will you let God reign in you? And church, I want to say that the way that kingdom grows in us, a big part of that is through a life of prayer being in communion with God, growing in that relationship, constant communication, unceasing prayer, the Bible says. Prayer unites us with God himself, Keller says. Prayer, I'm going to close with this quote, prayer is awe, intimacy, struggle, yet the way to reality. There is nothing more important or harder or richer or more life-altering. There is absolutely nothing so great as prayer.
Let me revisit this passage again. We did at the beginning. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Because remember, peace is not the absence of problems, but the presence of Christ. And we experience that, the scripture says, through prayer, through being with God. It comes from experiencing awe and intimacy with God, with Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, this morning I just want to thank you for the gift of prayer. For the fact that you decided to create this thing called prayer and to let us in on it. We see it all through scriptures. We see it all the way from the beginning to the end. I think of Revelation, the prayers of the saints, how sweet smelling of an aroma it is to you. And Jesus, your life, the life you lived that we read of in the Gospels, full of prayer. So Jesus, take us deeper in this journey with you through prayer. As we go through these next several weeks, may we work through some of the things we need to work through, but most of all, may we enjoy, may we enjoy being with you in prayer. I pray that you will let your spirit loose. Pour out a double portion of your spirit upon us as we focus on prayer. And may this house truly become a house of prayer for you, Lord. Would you take a moment now in silence to pray? the God who created this earth to the rescue of those that he's given worth. It's the light in the darkness when hope has been lost, the whisper that calms us when our souls have been tossed. Prayer helps the healing of hearts that are broken by bringing to God things yet to be spoken. It brings out emotion from deep down inside and lays bare our sin that's dripping with pride. So often our prayers are focused on us, what I need and I want becomes all the fuss. But the order of focus has been set by the king. Seek first his kingdom and he'll add all these things. So use less of the eyes and replace them with praise. Your kingdom, your glory, through all of my days. This is his will we know from his word. And when we pray in this way, we know what we heard. When anxiety turns the focus to me, the scripture reminds us to bow down our knee. If we're happy or hungry, whether we're cold and alone, with thanksgiving we're told to turn to the throne. For there sits our Savior who's paid all our debt, who looks down and wonders why we all fret. Because his promise stands true to this day and forever. When we call on his name, 
He will leave us never. So today and tomorrow, as your story is written, when you laugh or you cry or your heart is smitten, remember the one who gives you each breath. Whatever your lot, he saved you from death. So in everything you do, remember his name, because whenever we pray, it gives him the fame. And that in the end is where we must start, because only in him will he heal our heart. As we go, may we go praying, enjoying awe and intimacy with God. God bless you.